previously on the Soulless Citadel. We were trying to see what we could learn about this patron. I had the idea of making a, a deal with it. The Marquis is drawn to deals. It, it's sort of a fey thing. So if we want to help Thorn, I think we need to play the game. Thorn is my responsibility. If anyone is going to make this sacrifice, it will be me. I was actually wondering if I could talk to you about something. Revenge is not a good path. It can change a person into something more monstrous than they could have ever imagined. When you and Thorn wanted to chase after the goblins to kill them. That action, it was out of violence and anger. You're right, Masuzla, because it, it was love that brought me here. All of you guys are awake, and now you have a decision to make. Well, I suppose we can proceed, see we can find if we explore deeper. Illuminated by your torch, you see what seems to be this very big stone set of doors. Inside, you guys get to see piles of boxes and containers and barrels. The altar is covered by a tarp. You just see the shape of the Dark Warden. So what do you guys do? Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storytellers Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descent into the dungeon, or is there a dark and calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? Can I please look in some of the boxes to see if there's any cool stuff? Not necessarily to loot, although there might be some looting involved, but more to see what I can learn. Do a quick dexterity check, just to see if you can uh, pry it open really quick. For a dexterity check, I got an 18. Easily being able to pry it open with one of your daggers, not a lot of strength is needed if you know how to do it. You place it in an area, put your weight against the handle, and pop it goes the lid. When you open it up, it's just full of paraphernalia, dragon iconography, crafted in different items, papers, and what seems to be a small journal. Meanwhile, can I approach the altar to try to take the tarp off and reminisce about my past? Methuselah, you pass along what were the pews. Now it's just rows of boxes divided only by the long hassocks that permeates on your flanks. As you approach, you are now in front of the statue, and as the tarp goes down, a cloud of dust ascends. You see in front of you the Dark Warden. May I have advantage on the wisdom save? Because I've been encountering stuff about the Dark Warden. At this point, yeah, I would say so. Fuck me, I didn't, I should have taken away that goddamn advantage because I would have gotten my bardic inspiration back. That's a six. 
as you look upon the visage of the darkest horror within your past. How do you suffer through this moment? Methuselah rips off the tarp, is faced with the visage of the Dark Warden, turns fully around, struts to the door, and starts to try to pull it open. <laughs> but obviously I'm way too weak to do so, and it's not working at all. When Thorne sees Methuselah doing this, he grabs the tarp, looks up at the statue, realizes that it'd probably be really difficult for him to put the tarp over the statue. So he goes over to Methuselah and he starts trying to put the tarp over Methuselah. <laughs> I do want to point it out that when you go to the door by yourself without talking to anyone, Erky goes after you. He goes in almost a panicked pace, whispering under his breath, just loud enough is for you guys to hear no 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 and then when he sees you pulling onto the door as if you wanted to close but forgot that it's a push door he goes okay all right then and then he walks back how does methuselah react to thorn trying to put the tarp over his head i mean would you say that you're able to do it because i'm not gonna fight you if you do you're very tall so he probably tries like throwing it up but then it doesn't work so he starts climbing up your body until he reaches your shoulders and then he puts it over your head i would say like a bird i just stop like a bird's cage being covered so they think it's night. Thorn sits on your shoulders and then he gets really into it and he starts patting your head like it's a bongo. After a few moments of bongo, Thorn catches himself. He's like, stop letting the intrusive thoughts win. So then he lifts the tarp and sticks his own head under it, pretty much face to face with Methuselah. And he's like, what are you doing? I was trying to get out, I think. It's a push door. Oh. I sort of forgot about that. I was a little hurried in my attempts. Oh, was it because you saw that very ugly reptile? Yes, the Dark Warden. Yes, yes. It's okay. He's just a big statue. He cannot hurt you. I see. Well, suppose this place brought a little bit more bad memories back. Any more than I thought. If you want, we can keep the tarps on, and someone will stay on your shoulders and tell you which direction to walk. Yes, for now I think we'll keep the top on. Thorn will take his head out from under the tarp, and then he'll guide Methuselah with directions on how to walk towards where Seeker and Warders are. Turn left, yes. Now go forward. Don't trip. Yes, there's a rock in front of us. Yes. Now do a 360. Yes. We didn't need to do that. That was just funny. Okay, keep going forward. I will definitely be listening to like every word he says, following very gullibly. Mortis sees this go happening. For a second, he looks like he's about to intervene, but then he sees that Methuselah is relatively okay with Thor, so he's like, mm. uh, he's going to start looking around the room a bit, kind of like Seeker was doing, just seeing if he can find anything interesting. Well, the first thing you do glance around as you pass by is the box that Seeker opened. Seeker got distracted with this whole circus, so they didn't actually get to see any further down. But by looking at the open box, you do find the paraphernalia with it. But just on top of it, you also see the specific journal that I spoke of. Yes, uh, what do you make of this? The journal? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna ask you that question. Uh, should we take a look together? Uh, sure. Can we read it? Or is it in Draconic? You grab it, and as you open it, you actually... Don't read Draconic. You see that it's written in Elvish. Interesting. This this seems to be in Elvish. Uh, do you know Elvish? Oh uh, yeah, I know Elvish. Ah, oh, nice. Uh, perhaps this was left by a traveler of sorts. 
Seeker's gonna side-eye Methuselah for a second. I'm thinking, this this journal is in Elvish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain elf in our company that has spent time here. I see what you're driving at, but it's, I doubt Methuselah is the only elf to ever enter these halls. But what if it is Methuselah's journal? There's no, like, inscription or title on the front, is there? Not on the front. It's not embossed onto the leather cover or the first page. It actually just goes straight into writing. You can read the first page if you want. Well, just in case that's true, I suppose we should uh, wait before reading it. And he's gonna put it to the side for now. Uh, yeah, I agree. I want to show it to them. And if if they recognize it, if it's theirs, I want to I wanna return it. And with that, a giant clatter happens as Methuselah just bumped and tumbled over just one of those boxes. And the Thornis tumbles out of Methuselah's shoulder as well as the both of them falls down to the ground. Sorry, I meant right. I'm not good with directions. It's all right. You're not hurt, are you? I am okay, yes. Thorn has been dropped many times before. Oh, I see. So... Your bones are quite sturdy then. Yes, I've been dropped on my head many times. I see. Am I still into the tarp? I was going to say that the tarp flew open, but it's up to you if you actually want to keep the tarp still on. Yeah, like slowly pull it back over me. Okay, this time, how about you just hold my hand and I will lead you that way. I think that would work well. Okay, yes. And he'll take Methuselah's mage hand. Before Thorn leads Methuselah to Mortis and Seeker, he kneels down with all the trash and starts rummaging through it, seeing if there's anything of interest. Can Seeker go looking in other boxes and stuff? Yes, you guys can. Quick little appraisal of the stuff that you can open out of those boxes. You start seeing a few pieces of art, precious gems, jewelry. You guys can look further and spend the time to go through the entire room so you guys can see what else you can unearth from it. And a successful check is needed. Thorn looks through the first pile of garbage, just sees a bunch of art and gems, and he's like, honestly, don't care, didn't ask. And he gets bored very quickly and just goes under the tarp with Methuselah. So you guys want to investigate this room further? Yeah, at least Mortis and I. And maybe Erky. Erky would do it too. Okay. So you guys need to do a group investigation check. 19 for Seeker. 14. Erky got a 12. You guys spend a long, long time opening boxes, sorting through them, seeing what's inside, throwing away the garbage into a pile, but grabbing and putting on another pile everything that is worth it. Everybody who attended this search gains a point of exhaustion. Those who didn't help, you guys sit around by what you estimate to be basically a long rest. You guys have been here for eight hours. I like to imagine as Methuselah's sitting around, Thorn is like talking and talking and talking about stuff that barely makes sense and eventually falls asleep in her lap. Like a little kitty all curled up. I definitely take note of all the things that Thorn says as crazy as they are. He honestly probably tells you about a weird naked man eating corpses in the body pit. And that is what he references of the thing that he saw. As you guys are just finished organizing, Seeker, you pull up the last box. You see what seems to be a twig. 
Seeker's gonna step on it. As you step on it, many little hissing sounds happens thrown around the garbage. Roll for initiative. 17. 13. 14. Dirty 20. Top of the round, Erky. He sees one of the twigs close to Methuselah and Thorn. Quickly grasps onto his medallion and go, by Lyrthus light, push this blight out of sight! A small halo appears with red light on top of the little twig. And as the small column of flame just hits the twig, it incinerates it completely. Next is another twig blight closest to Seeker. This twig approaches you as fast as possible and tries to scratch you, but you're able to quickly sidestep, avoiding harm. Next is the twig blight kind of farther away from Mortis and makes all its movement to get close to him. Mortis, your turn. Mortis is gonna unsheathe his great sword and try to stab it down into the twig blight that just got near him. 16. 16 is a hit. Roll for the damage. That is 12 damage. You cut it in half. Next is another twig blight. This one is behind Methuselah and Thorn and approaches using all of their movements and goes for a scratch on Methuselah. The tarp is too thick, and as it tries to scratch it, you feel a bump, and it is your turn now. I'm gonna notice where that little thump came from, and I'm gonna like pull off the tarp so that me and Thorn can attack and see what's going on. You see the room full of those twig creatures attacking everybody. And then I'll poke Thorn awake. I guess we have more of these branch things to fight. Oh. The little walking trees. Oh, yes. And Thorn will roll out of Methuselah's lap. I will get up and I'm going to go towards the one that attacked me. My hand is going to blow in that beautiful bitch slapping violet color. I'm going to slap it. 10. Unfortunately, the little creature is too small and too fast for you to <laughs> impact it in full force. Seeker, your turn. Okay, so the one that was actually nearest to me, <laughs> since I like to make these things look like a fool. Can it give me a deception check? Sure. So I got a seven on that insight. Oh, I think it beats a negative one, so yeah. Does a 14 hit it? Yes, it does. 10 piercing damage. You stab it and cut it in half. Next is the one beside Mortis. This little creature crawls up your leg and goes for a scratch attack. If this was a bigger creature, maybe it would have caused more damage, but instead it only caused a total of seven piercing damage. And then it jumps off out of your neck, letting the blood seep out top of the round. Orki's gonna use their action to attack the one beside it again. Another twig burning to a crisp beside him. Nets Thorn, finally woken up, you see yourself surrounded by twigs. Thorn stands up, and as he does, his eyes begin to glow blue as his fangs and these claws appear that drip with this acidic material, and he's going to attack the one that Methuselah tried to hit. And he uses Primal Savagery. That's an 18. 18 hits, roll for the damage. One acid damage. Let us say that although you enhanced your claws with magic, when you go for your attack, it misses. What causes the one damage is the one droplet of acid that drips out of your hand and hits the twig. Next is the twig blight that is flanking Mortis with another. This one is able to catch you off guard, scratches the back of your leg, causing a total of four piercing damage. But it's not too late for retribution. 
because now it's Mortis's turn. After getting hit, Mortis is gonna regain his footing and just scrape his greatsword across the ground and just try to slash right through the one that just hit him. That's a 23. That is a total hit. That is 14 damage. And with the scraping motion, you are able to pick up speed. And when you lift the blade, off goes two pieces of clean cut twigs. And with his bonus action, he's going to pivot and immediately try to stab right into the one other one that was behind him. Go right ahead. An 18 to hit. Roll for the damage. That is nine damage. A complete cut goes through majority of the body. The twig actually moves a few centimeters to the side as it tries to escape the pain, but the inevitable death consumes him. Methuselah, now it's your turn. Rise and shine. I'm gonna give the magical slap another go. 14 to hit. 14 hits, do the damage. That is 11 psychic damage. 11 psychic damage is inflicted onto this guy and he falls to the ground, completely inert and in combat. As combat ends, I'm gonna collect the twig plants and I'm going to tie them together with some thread that I have in my disguise kit. And then I'm gonna just like hang them somewhere, <laughs> like they're decorations. There's only one place for you to hang stuff. I go up to the statue and I dangle it off one of the teeth. Now the Dark Warden has a droop of twigs propping out of their horrifically toothy maw. <laughs> well, that was a thing. You know, I'm getting real tired of those things. Is it just me or combats are getting faster and closer together? Perhaps we're getting closer to our goal. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've never gotten into this many fights in my entire life. I don't often fight. Perhaps we should be careful where we linger from now on. Truthfully, yeah. Well, let's not put our work to waste. Here, and then he points. This is the last boss. I think now we can sort through whatever is this pile. Additionally, I found this in one of the earlier bosses, but nobody really showed the interest, so I grabbed it. And he's holding the journal. Uh, hi, Erky. I actually uh, was gonna take that. Okay. And he hands it to you. Th thank you, Erky. Now, what do you guys want to do? You guys find quite a bit of treasure in here. Uh, well, we'll look at these a little bit more in depth later, probably when we're having a little sit down and we can determine how we want to split them all up between us, since we like to do things fairly. That's fair. Everyone in agreement? Yeah, I don't see why not. Sounds good to me. Thorn is more interested in the book that you found. Oh, yeah. H hey, Methuselah. Yes? So, we found this, uh, journal in one of the boxes earlier on. And? And, well, Mortis and I looked at it, and it wasn't written in Draconic. You see, we both recognized the language, and it was... it was Elvish. Oh? Seeker's gonna hold out the journal. Uh, Methuselah, does this look familiar to you? I'll take it, and then I will open it and skim it, because, I mean, it could have been, because my memories are a little bit funky, so... I don't know, maybe I lost a journal down here. I can tell you for sure that you have never seen this journal before. Well, it's safe to say that this is not mine. The writing is a little more, well, a little less elegant than what I know of my own writing. As you open the page, this is the first entry you're able to read. We have notes. The DM just passed us a note. 
This is the first entry that I write as a liberated person, and yet I'm required to use the ancestral language of my father in order to keep my plans safe. I am truly lucky that I got to learn it before his endurement. It has been years since I've been able to express myself truthfully. It is hard to believe I was capable of pulling it off at all. You see, my plan started as a gamble, but grew in complexity as time went by. When those heretics invaded the home of my beloved, I was lucky to have not been found with the symbols of the high priesthood inherited by my late father's position. Choosing to hide when I heard the first sounds of attack was the best decision that I made, for when those brutes found me, they thought me to be a mere slave. <laughs> By biding my time, I learned their attack was strong enough to pass through the defenses of Northorn. Although I never came to learn what trickery that red-winged worm used to defeat my beloved. No matter. She is dead, and now I am in command of Northorn. After many years working under those disgusting dragonborn, making myself indispensable in their occupation over this fortification, I gained their trust by guiding them towards information that they would eventually find secretly hiding Northorn's true secrets. Now, my true work can finally start. I have conceived my next steps in what I will require to achieve my goals. I will use all the knowledge and magic that my beloved taught me, and to that which I do not know, I will hunt down to the ends of these lands. There is nothing that will stand in my way. I will sunder mountains and render the countryside to ashes if it requires me to do so. In that end, I will bring you back, my beloved. I will hear your powerful voice that shakes my very being, and we will create a new and eternal empire side by side. In your name, Lord Deity Kirigallin, yours eternally, Mojinti. You need to do a wisdom savior throw as you recognize the last name spoken, Mongenti. That's an 11. Better than before. You still suffer a certain amount of pressure as memories flood your brain. Memories not of the Dark Warden himself, but following beside the Dark Warden, this small, somewhat thin little girl dressed in regal, elvish attire and with adorns that puts herself in some sort of like high position within the Draconic Empire, or at the very least, by the side of the Dark Lord, as he walks around and she follows on his heels, and you remember most of all how he would force you to play, not for himself, but for her amusement. You remember her sadistic smile. You remember she was the spitting image of her father, the dragon priest, Alaganthorn. Another question. Do I recognize the name Northorn? Uh, do a history check. 21. Why couldn't I do that with the wisdom save? Fuck me, I guess. Very faintly, it comes to your mind, almost as if it was a whisper. And you remember Northorn, the fortification of the Draconic Empire that took the north area of the region 
and that it was the bastion of all draconic scoutings. One that is the place that you were trapped in, the official name of what is now the Selen Citadel. I assume that as Methuselah is figuring out about this journal, you see them start shaking as they're holding it. Seeker is gonna notice that, obviously, because they were looking right at Methuselah, and they're gonna remove the journal from Methuselah's hand. It is class firmly in their hand. Okay. The power of trauma is stronger than your muscles. <laughs> and since that's not gonna work, Seeker's gonna let go of the journal. They're gonna go into their bag. They're gonna pull out Faith's cloak and wrap it around Methuselah to keep them safe. Thorn wraps his arms around Methuselah's waist in a hug. Congratulations, you're also under the cloak now. Good. I guess I will say with my friends kind of embrace, Methuselah will come out of it and say shakingly, No, Thorn, that was the name of this cursed place before it fell. Oh, is that what it says in the journal? Yes, it seems this, uh, this, uh, journal, it was owned by somebody who was very fond of the Dark Warden, daughter of the cultist who kidnapped me. Oh, Methuselah, I I'm so sorry. Had I, had I known that before, I wouldn't have given you the journal to read. I would have, you know, I, I just, I just thought that if it was yours, then I wouldn't want to go snooping through your personal things. You know, um, I I'm, I'm so sorry. No, it, it's quite all right, and I'll I'll give you back the journal. She was a terrible creature, much like her father, but she's gone now, I suppose. And you are still here. You've persevered, outlived them both. That is what matters. Suppose so. Yes, they're dead and gone, dead and gone, but Methuselah is still here. I'm not sure if you want to look deeper into this journal. You're welcome to. Not sure what a good you'll find, but maybe some history about this place. I would. I sought this place out for knowledge more than anything. I thought you were here to liberate your friend. At first, what brought me and my friends here were the knowledge of the apple, the apple of virtue, but also to explore. Lita is all about understanding the world. So something that brings the history of this place, this Northhorn, this name has been lost. We didn't know that this place had a name. We all always heard rumors of being called the Sunless Citadel. Well, Erky, you know, you're a, you're a curious fella, and I'm fairly curious myself. Maybe we could take a look at it together? Do you read Elvish? Quite versed in it, yes. Alright, so we'd be fine to, like, look at it together, see what we can learn. Would that be interesting to you? Sure, yes. Alright, and then Seeker's gonna slip it into their bag, underneath a few things, just so that it's kept safe. Alright, what do you guys would like to do now? There's no way to go forward, I imagine. This, this is, is just... a dead end, yeah. Okay. Thorn goes over to the door in this room and looks towards everyone. Well, if we have looked around and found everything we want, perhaps we go back down into the pit, back up and keep looking. We're not going to get any closer to the cats here. I agree with Thorn. We have spent a lot of time here and perhaps we should try our best not to linger anymore. You guys return to the hallway, back to the chasm, where you guys go through the entire process again. Please go ahead and do the checks to make sure you guys don't fall and hurt yourselves. Natural 20 for the acrobatics. I also got a natural 20 for the acrobatics, so nice. I got 24. 26. I got a 21. 
All right, now it's the climbing up. Mortis is able to actually get up onto the other side while Seeker and Thorn, they're having difficulties. All right, hold on to me and we'll all go up together. Uh, Methuselah, no offense, but I do weigh quite a bit. I'm not saying you carry, like I carry you. You just hold on and I assume we'll all get dragged up together. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to impose that on poor Mortis. Um, I'm quite lean, but as I've said before, I'm not the skinniest of tabaxi. I enjoy my mama's cooking a little bit too much. I think that while this is happening, Thorn is trying to skitter up again. A ten. You do your best, but for some reason, either it's smoother than the other one, or you're just losing your touch. Hi, Methuselah. Yes, I, I, I'll, I can help. Oh, I, I hate to impose, but would you be able to get this rope to Mortis so that he can help us up? Oh, quite easily, and I'll take it with my mage hand and bring it up. Now do the athletics with advantage, please. Thorn got a 17. Uh, 15. With the help of the rope, you guys are able to finally get up to the other side. All right, now for Methuselah. We'll help. I'm ready whenever you are. That's a 22. Easily, Methuselah is hoisted up. <laughs> and brought it to their friends. Yeah, so much climbing in this place. I agree. Let's hope we don't have too, too much more of that. And Seeker's gonna collect their rope. Let's go to the other path! Reaching the end of the hallway, you guys open the door back to the luminous garden of violet fungi. Back to the bright light. It hurts your eyes a little bit to look directly inside. But now you guys are in the middle of a choice. To investigate the door towards what you think is the labs. Or the cavern ahead of you guys. Is it possible for Thorn to grab some of the luminous fungi? Yes, you can. He wants to see if it continues to glow or if it dies. You pull it out of the ground. Slowly starts to dim, dim, dim. Until it's just a mushroom. Thorn curses under his breath and just like drops the non-luminous mushroom and walks back over to the group. These things are useless. They stop glowing if you pull them under the ground. There goes our smart plan. Thorn's like, damn it, I thought we found an exploit. (laughs) (laughs) The cool Sunless Citadel hacks. Well, should we continue? I'd personally like to go through the door here to the lab area before we head down any further. You have the most experience in this place, Methuselah. I trust your judgment. Yes, agreed. Let us go where Methuselah thinks is best. Can I approach the door and listen? As you approach the door, you can place your head against the wood and go for a perception check. I roll good on everything but my goddamn wisdom saves. That's a 19. With a 19, you're able to perceive that there is sounds coming out of this door, but they're muffled and quiet, so you have the impression that there's something behind it. It's just obscured or farther away? All right, everyone, uh, beyond guard, I think there's something behind here, maybe a bit farther up, but just be prepared for a fight. Perhaps we can go through this door sneakily. I'm all right with that. Everybody roll for stealth then. Oh, Seeker's also gonna pull out their rapier, quietly. Call me a ninja turtle, cause I got an 18. I also got an 18. I got an 11. Thorn got a 15. With these, you guys are able to gingerly open the door. It doesn't make any sound as you guys are being extra careful. Inside, it is dimly lit with some torches here and there. 
just enough to illuminate for those with night vision. The hallway is currently empty. It just has a few desks here and there as there are columns in line all the way to the end of the hall. There are six doors in here, three in each side. And that's where most of the noises comes from. Could we check the doors individually to more pinpoint the sound? Some of them are closed, others are ajar. There's only one that is mostly open. That is the one immediately to your right. We can't see it from here. You kind of need to get closer, just because inside is a bit darker. So your night vision needs to adapt to really understand what's inside. Could we hear anything from that direction? Yes, you can. Even from this distance, you can hear the sounds coming from it. It's a constant sound, but not as loud as some of the others. The sounds that you hear, I don't think I need to ask you for a perception check. As you get just a little bit close, not enough to be too close, not enough to commit per se, but it's just enough for you to hear snoring. I think there's someone asleep in there. Can Thorn quietly go to where the door is ajar and peek his head in? Peeking inside, you see what seems to be pallets with fur on the ground. Some ropes together with tarps making some sort of hanging beds and on top of some of the furs there are goblins five of them sleeps calmly inside of this room can thorn very quietly just close the door as he sticks his head back into the hall easily and quietly you're able to close the door thorn whispers there are goblins sleeping in there and there might be more goblins in these other rooms. Seems like this is another place goblins are sleeping. I heard in the village that many powerful goblins are sent down here. These might be the stronger ones that the druid keeps nearby. It would seem we're on the right track then. Well, we should be careful. Perhaps we should try to stealth a little bit more. And I am curious as to what they're doing down here, considering that, you know, they might have something to do with the apple. Should we check all the rooms? We could try. Okay, let's just be careful and quiet in case we wake them or in case some of them are already awake. Maybe we should try to look in the rooms that are the most quiet and start working our way up. Yes, yes, I agree. So which of the other doors do you guys pick? Can we find the quietest? The one that doesn't have a lot of sound or next to any? The quietest that you can find is at the end of the hall and it's not making any sounds inside. Is it a closed door or? It is a closed door. Can I try to open it? You test the door and it turns out to be a push door. Quietly, you open it and you notice that the room is empty. The only thing inside seems to be racks and containers of weapons. This seems to be some sort of storage unit or space meant for these rustic weapons. The only thing that catches your eye inside is that on the far end of this room, there is some sort of fixture or crack big enough for a person to pass through, but it goes into another area. Well, what do you all think? We could start here, go forward and see where the crack leads, and then come back and look at the other rooms. I'm down for that. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Sounds agreeable to me. Entering this room, you guys approach the crack. And actually, it connects with your brain that this is just another angle of the chasm that starts to descend on a slope. Well, I think we figured out where that is going, so maybe we should turn around. If we need to make a quick escape, we could slide down here. Yes, that is very smart. We could use mortars like a sled. I'm 
not certain that would work, but you know, at least we have an escape. Now, do we want to go and look at the other quiet rooms? Yeah, I, f- I suppose we could do that. Next to this room, in terms of quietness, there are two. One is closest to the door that you entered from, that leads into the mushroom garden. And the other one is between these two doors that you already explored, in the middle of the right side. Thorn will go over to the door that's in the middle, since it's closer. And Seeker will go to the other one, while still out of the corner of their eye, keeping an eye on everyone else. Let's like try to divide forces so in case there is a fight nobody's left alone, I'll go with Seeker. Or does this just in the background keep a guard? Not staying too far away from anybody, just in the middle. Thorn will gingerly try to open the door that he is perched at. The one in the middle to the right is opened gingerly by Thorn. And when looked inside, it seems to have only a small goblin that is humming to themselves, as they have a few pieces of cloth and armor spread around them, and they are just sewing, sitting on a small stool, and is looking away from the door. Does this appear to be like an older goblin, a younger goblin? From this distance, you can't really discern. You need to get closer. Thorn will try to get closer. I'm gonna want you to do a stealth check by yourself, contested against the goblin's passive perception. I got a 12. Not noticing your approach, the goblin just continues to do their task. Seems to be a relatively middle-aged goblin, good enough enough to fight, but getting into the older years. And this goblin, male goblin, is just enjoying the task as they are repairing armor. Do I recognize this goblin? Do for me a intelligence check. That is a 19. This goblin is called Ringa. It is a very good hunter goblin. A goblin that actually was teaching some of the kids a long time ago, goblinoid kids, how to hide, how to track, how to look for food when the tribe requires. They were younger back in your memories, but they were kind and they were caring for the tribe. A good soul and an exceptional hunter. A surge of desire for the old Thorn to approach and to hug Ringa. For Ringa was always nice to Thorn, was caring, compassionate, patient above all. One of Thorn's only friends in the old tribe. But then there is the wild Thorn who does not care and does not want to feel anything but happiness. And these conflict within your brain hurts. Hurts so much that you scream in pain. What the hell? Ringo stands up, dropping whatever is on the side. All the other rooms go quiet. You have a few seconds to interact with Ringo before the wars happens. Thorn looks in Ringo's eyes with a pleading expression. Like he's trying to will this familiarity between them. He's trying to will this old friendship that they used to have. And very silently, in some way, trying to communicate with Ringa, asking, I guess in some way, don't hate me. (laughs) And trying to somehow communicate with him that he doesn't want to mean any harm and that this is just a really fucked up situation. That That is all that Thorne is trying to communicate through his eyes and his mouth is sort of just agape. This feeling is emerging trying to take the spotlight from Wildthorn. He would need another wisdom saving. I got an 11. The old Thorne is able to appear taking the spotlight. There is 
a certain queer reaction from Ringa. For a first, they were confused, alarmed, and it took you as an intruder. But then those eyes connect. Thorn? And with that, initiative starts. All right, top of the round, Methuselah, what is it that you do? I just heard a scream, correct? Yes. And no goblins have emerged. Yet. Yet. Can I hold my action? I'd like to cast a spell when a goblin emerges. The door to your left, the one with the goblins sleeping, jars open. And out of it comes out a goblin just poking out of the door, already notching an arrow and ready to point. You, however, have your ready action. Can I do my ranged slap? Yes, you can. I'm going to do that. It's over 20. I'm sure that hits. It does hit. Roll for the damage. It is six psychic damage. The violet hand glows. And as you do your slapping motion in the air, it's almost as if a wave emanates from your motion and impacts with the little goblin on the door. And as it does, he shakes his head as if he just received a very powerful slap. But then he quickly puts the arrow again, notches it, pulls it, and loosens it on you. The arrow connects with you in the chest, causing a total of seven piercing damage. Now I need you to roll a constitution saving throw. That's a ten. You feel weird sensation coming from the wound where the arrow hit, and with it it feels stiff but you are able to just overcome it. A goblin moves somewhere, and now it is Thorn's turn. Thorn hears the commotion from outside, realizing what's happening, and he'll look back at Ringa and go, I, I can explain, but you need to help me protect my friends, please. He looks down on you and goes, Where have you been, boy? I boy, I looked for you to make sure you're okay, but I couldn't find you. I can tell you later, but... We have to do something. They're going to kill them. He looks to the door. My worst nightmare. Let's go protect your friends. This is Dungeon Master Rick here with Hammer of the Gods. Do you enjoy socially awkward bards? I pull out 50 gold and I put it in the guard's hand and say, Can I go see the snakes now? Dungeons and Dragons and mildly inappropriate humor. Haha, <laughs> looks like Daniel's our new DM. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> Did you just call me daddy? I've been here for 10 seconds and we're already jumping straight to daddy, alright. And epic fantasy combined with alternate history and a splash of Greek and other ancient mythologies thrown in for flavor. Why do the other Olympians Perfect. avoid Dionysus? Yeah, I don't know why. Because all he does is whine. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I, I'm praying to daddy yeah, here. So then you'll love Hammer of the Gods. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really enjoy our show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hampod. That's H-A-M-M-P-O-D. Greetings. You have reached the end of the episode of the Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. And be sure to catch our next installment of the Soundless Citadel every Thursday at 12 p.m. EST.
If you like the show, please consider leaving a review. It's a small way to show your support that goes a long way. To connect with us, follow our social media accounts. And if you would like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon as well to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Horton from Off the Beaten Path musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yami Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The world of Nosamundas was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us here at the Storyteller's Tavern. <laughs>